This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to the Inspirational, Informational, and Transparent Aviation Careers Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, inspirational stories, or announcements, please write us at feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. Today, we're going to answer your questions, but first, a few announcements. Don't forget, at aviationcareerspodcast.com, you can find the scholarships guide, career coaching, and various online courses. And uh, don't forget to use a coupon, pay it forward, all one word, through the generosity of others, you may receive a scholarships guide for free. And of course, if you want to make a difference in someone's life, you can actually purchase a scholarships guide through our Pay It Forward program. And that's real simple. You go out to aviationcarespodcast.com slash pay it forward and check out what you can do to help someone else maybe pay for some or all other flight training. Again, the June 9, uh, 2019 version contains 31 new scholarships in the scholarships guide and 10 changes. And back in May, we had 25 new ones, total of 56 new scholarships in the past couple months and in July we're going to come up with many more. Anyway, moving on, let's uh, talk a little bit about uh, our questions, but before I do that, I'd like to give you a little inside knowledge as to what I've been doing lately. I got to go flying uh, in a friend's uh, Cherokee 6XT, which is uh, basically a Cherokee 6, or uh, it's just brand new, and uh, or Saratoga, I should really say, and uh, what a wonderful airplane. Had a lot of fun with that. So even me as an airline pilot, I'd love to get back in the GA and uh, back in ownership, that kind of thing. But flying for my job uh, was kind of interesting. As you, you might be able to tell my voice, I'm a little bit tired. I did a pink eye today. And uh, what is a pink eye? So let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, pink eye is kind of like half of a red eye. So I actually had to get up this morning at 1 in the morning and head out to the airport and uh, started my flight around 5 a.m., uh, flew to the islands, and we uh, landed in the islands and then came back. The first half of that flight was considered a red eye, which is in uh, many of the airlines you get a little extra override. It's uh, either called a night override or a red eye override, whatever you want to kind of call it. But uh, it's actually really, uh, you know, it's a nice way to make a little extra money. So that's actually what I was doing is flying down to the islands and coming back doing a pink eye. Pink eyes can be almost as tough as a red eye because a lot of times you're waking up in the middle of the night. A good example is sometimes uh, you'll see Flights where they start around uh, 1, 2, 3 in the morning, and then they'll end, uh, say, at 8 in the morning, kind of like a pink eye. Red eye normally means that you're flying all night long. In other words, you're starting late at night, say 10, 11 o'clock at night, and you may not land till 8 in the morning. And uh, pink eye is kind of a half of a red eye, the best way to describe it. So hopefully you understand that one. Uh, it's going to be a short podcast because uh, I need to get to bed to get up to do some coaching. And by the way, if you're looking for career coaching, uh, I know our schedule is pretty packed. Make sure you look at that schedule because uh, June July and August is where we make most of the airline money with the airline I work for, and uh, I am just packed with flying, that's for sure. Anyway, let's move on to the first question. It says, hi, Carl. First of all, thank you for your publishing your podcast. I recently discovered your channel, and I found it to be a valuable resource for anyone interested in the aviation industry. I greatly appreciate it, and please keep up the good work. Thanks. Appreciate that. have some questions, but uh, let me give you some context first. I'm a Canadian. I've been working in my industry for 20 years, and at 43, I uh, have a degree in mechanical engineering, licensed uh, professional engineer, and have an MBA. Always wanted to become an airline pilot, so I decided to apply for flight school before I get too old. Passed my medical exam, and I've been accepted to flight school starting July this year to study full-time. 
this course will grant me the private pilot license, commercial pilot, and the frozen airline transport pilot license with about 250 hours after graduation in 18 months. My ultimate goal is to become a captain of a major airline, preferably like Air Canada, WestJet, or Porter. I'm also open to flying cargo like FedEx, UPS, DHL, etc. have a couple of questions. What can I do to get a head start on studying before the official start of the flight school? That's number one. I, you know, with anybody, I think one of the best things you can do is if you if you get a chance, many of the documents are like free online as far as the study guides for many of the certificates. Kind of download those and start getting into the different theory of flying. You're gonna have to know, you know, basic theory of engines, aerodynamics, weather, and cross country planning. So one of the ways to get a jump start, start reading. Start getting in those manuals. Uh, another thing you can do is get online and start looking at some of the YouTube channels that are out there. There's some really good stuff. There's also some not so great stuff, but you know you can kind of filter that out. You, you see which ones are the are really good out there, and you can kind of figure it out on your own. But there's some really neat things out there. Do a search on a topic uh, on something like how an airplane flies or how a propeller works or or something like that. What is a stall, an aerodynamic stall, those kind of things. But uh, if you can get get a jump start, one of the best ways to do is just just start reading. That's for sure. Um, number two is question is what advice would you give a student pilot to maximize the learning experience and value during the curriculum? Uh, biggest thing is make sure you're prepared for each of the lessons and make sure you have all the theory done. And, uh, and then after that, make sure you are ready for that lesson that you have that day. Another thing that you can do besides just becoming prepared is, and this helps, I, I tell my students to do this is, is know what you're going to do your next lesson. Okay, so if you have a syllabus you're following, know what you're going to do and and visualize that lesson. Visualize what you're going to do on that lesson. It's kind of like doing an approach or, you know, if you're doing aerobatics and any kind of flying or preparing for a check ride, that's the best thing to do is just get out there and visualize what it is you're doing as far as, you know, the, the, the actual maneuver. Do it in your head. Do it in your mind. And just look at that and say to yourself, you know, I can I can do this and all right, here I am, and I'm getting ready for my takeoff, and I'm setting the power at this. I'm looking at the instrument gauges. Uh, another thing you can, as a great way to do it is get a you know one of the more inexpensive simulators, jump on your computer, and go ahead and fly the sim for the lesson you're going to do. So both get the paperwork and get the theory done, but also be ready for the actual flying by visualizing or actually flying it, maybe in a simulator, which would be really cool. Number three is question is, uh, with the aviation industry having somewhat a high barrier of entry, how can a recently graduated pilot with low hours get a flying job with no connection to the industry? A couple of things here. Number one is, uh, I always tell people this, networking is incredibly important. So one of the things you'll want to do is get out there, network, network, network. And what does that mean? You know, meet people at the airport, get involved in the different things that are in your area that have to do with aviation. Not necessarily uh, the flying portion, but anything aviation-wise, because you'd be surprised what small an industry this is. So that's networking. You're communicating with people that are like-minded in that industry. And you know what happens is those people know other people in the industry, and they kind of pass that knowledge along and say, hey, I know somebody who's looking for a job. I think you should talk to them. Really nice person. Number two is this. Um, <laughs> the high barrier of entry I know is tough. But remember this. With low hours, there's, there's a lot of jobs out there for low-hour pilots. One of them is flight instructing. Uh, that's actually a, a big one that there's a there's a lot of need for that. And in general, there's a lot of need for all sorts of flying. One of them 
being also, you know, banner towing, pipeline patrol, a uh, little, you know, some cargo flying that checks and cargo, not quite as big as it used to be, but there's some of it out there still. So there's, there's a lot of different things that you can do. So don't, uh, one of the things I want you to do is don't be discouraged by that high barrier of entry. And, uh, Remember that they really do need you. So even though you feel you have low hours, people need you. People, you need to be a flight instructor. They need you to get out there and do some manner towing, etc. But one of the best ways right now, because there's so much training going on, is get out there, get your CFI, and build those hours up. Really great way. There are others, uh, other ways to build it. I know people have done it. Uh, it's just the majority will do that. Uh, a great way, aerial photography and pipeline patrol is a great way to build up some time. Sometimes... Those actually have a little barrier, too. Some of the hours might be a little higher than you think. So uh, sometimes people just go out and uh, tow gliders and uh, jumpers. We have some uh, podcasts in the back about, you know, you know, carrying jumpers and airplanes and stuff like that. So skydivers, in other words. So the, hopefully that helps. Uh, it says it continues. Thanks, Carl, for your continued contribution to the aviation industry. Look forward to learning more from you and from your future podcast. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, let's see. Next question coming in is, uh, says, Carl, I'm a longtime listener that uh, took your advice to do something each day towards this dream. Like many on the show who listens to your podcast, I, too, have been dreaming of being a commercial airline pilot since childhood. The recent pilot shortage reignited this dream. At this time last year, I began flying at a Bart 141 school near where I live. I love studying and I love flying. Weather has been a challenge, and my work schedule has been even more challenging. My greatest challenge, however, has been nausea. At 33 flights, 32 of them involving me being ill towards the end of the flight and being so ill that I needed to use a sick sack. The only flight I was not sick was a discovery flight. I decided to go back away from the training last week and put this dream on ice or possibly to bed forever. My biggest concern is how I could ever be a CFI and build time with such sensitivity to motion sickness if I were to continue. I tried everything imaginable and I've run out of ideas. My flying schedule often has had large breaks in it due to the weather and my work schedule. Yet I've taken time off from work to fly consecutive days. I still was sick each day. You have any suggestions? Uh, are there cases where some people just cannot get past the motion sickness threshold? I just can't imagine quitting my job and exclusively flying, not knowing that I've gotten past the threshold. Thanks so much, and thank for your podcast. And I think that's great that you are taking a look at it that way. Uh, and from the perspective of safety and security, you know, you have this job. Yeah, you don't want to move away from this job that you have, especially if it's gonna, you know, if you're not gonna be able to fly. With all that said. I've had a couple students uh, similar to your case where it was well beyond the 30 uh, lessons before the whole motion sickness uh, stopped happening. I know the one person used to use something on their wrist, and it, it, it kind of goes out of my head right now. If anybody wants to remind me, feedback at aviationcarespodcast.com, you can let me know. I'll try to put it in the show notes next time. Uh, but it's actually for motion sickness, and it worked really well for this individual. Uh, a lot of it is just getting used to it. I know, interestingly enough, I never get motion sick, quote unquote, uh, but I wound up getting motion sick when I started doing aerobatics. Uh, and so everybody has their, their tolerance level. Uh, so there's there's other reasons people do get motion sickness. It could be nerves, et cetera. Uh, so I know you've been through a lot, but I would say this, don't give up on this. Uh, but I like what you're doing is is actually kind of taking a step back and saying to myself, can I do this physically? Um, and I don't want to say you can't do it, but I think you need to find that solution to your motion sickness first, which can happen. Now, like like you said, maybe as a CFI, uh, you won't be able to ha be able to do that. 
because you're going to be motion sick, become a CFI, right? Well, maybe not. Maybe if you figure out a way to get over the motion sickness, then then you can do that. I know uh, some of my past students that have had these issues, they've gone out, done a lot of reading on the internet, have actually talked to their doctors about it. Uh, one of the things you have to really be careful of is if you take any kind of medication for motion sickness, uh, you don't want to have that disqualify you, obviously, uh, for your medical. So there's this balance uh, between the two. Uh, going back to the, the whole issue with motion sickness, though, in general, if there is there is something that you have an issue, issue with, if it's not just flying, it's outside of flying with motion sickness uh, and dizziness, et cetera, then there is an, an issue possibly not being able to be able to get the medical, et cetera. And I've seen some people later on in their careers actually uh, not be able to, you know, actually have a medical and uh, or lose their medical, as they say. And then they're not flying anymore, and they have to go on to another career. So uh, my, only, my only advice to you is do what you're doing. That's the right thing to do. But also keep looking towards other things like on the Internet, like they say. But talk to your doctor. Say, hey, why am I getting motion sick? Look at other cases where you get motion sick. See if there's a correlation there. But keep trying. Keep trying to get it, uh, get rid of that motion sickness if you can. And, uh, and, and really good luck to you. But anyway, I appreciate the question. Uh, and it's something you just really, I know you can, can hang in there. So uh, just uh, don't ever give up on your dream. There might be something that we don't know, we don't see right now that can cure your problem. Uh, then that's why it's best to keep looking forward, even though you don't know about it right now. Anyway, here we go. Another um, question came in here. Uh, it's uh, oh, here it is. It says uh, it says hello, Carl. Just wanted to send a quick thank you for all that you do. I'm an inspired AMP mechanic and pilot who is starting from the ground up, and I'm glad I found your podcast. Your latest episode informed me on the Pay It Forward scholarship that I was able to use to access the scholarship program. I appreciate this greatly and hope to pay it forward once I'm stable in my AMP career. Uh, it's Aircraft and Power Plant Mechanic. Thank you again. Keep up the great work. You're incredibly inspiring. Well, thanks so much. I appreciate that, and I'm glad that someone else was able to help you move forward with your career and, uh, and possibly you know, use those scholarships in the future. I think that'd be, uh, that'd be really, really cool. Um, anyway, the next one coming up here is a question from, uh, an individual. It's, uh, well, it's, uh, it's, this is a good question. It's actually somebody who says, uh, thanks so much for the podcast you did on aviation news talk. I have a question about your availability for career coaching for a fee. If you do, if I should try even considering a career, this is really an interesting one. Uh, it's an, I'm an older pilot, 64 to be exact. Five years ago, I returned to flying after a 40-year break. Uh, he owns a Cirrus SR-22 and got the IFR at 63 years old just over a year ago. I had 800 hours and working on my commercial. Hold a master's degree and a successful career as a technology officer with a major company. Basically, I'm wondering if there's any career path, corporate, charter, cargo, whatever for me. Money's not the goal, as I'm set for retirement in five to ten years. I would just love to find some way, if it's not too late, to fly as a career. I'm healthy, energetic, and a young 64. Any advice appreciated. Basically, I just want to fly. I know I can have many adventures in my SR-22, but still have a fantasy. I might spend the next five to ten years flying for a career. Is there any hope for me? And if so, can I pay you to help me? Well, that's thanks for that question. Obviously, it's uh, our career coaching. You can go there and check that out. But to, to get to your question... 
you're not too old to fly, especially if you're healthy. There's a lot of folks that go into other flying careers, and this is something we don't talk a lot about is uh, flying part 135 charter. And going back to the other person's question about building time, you can actually do that, do some 135. And what does that mean? It's like air taxi. There's part 135 scheduled uh, operations that they fly for like the airlines. A good uh, example is that like Cape Air is a good way uh, to take a look at, at one of those airlines that do, does 135 scheduled. You can fly around the islands. And as a matter of fact, when I was down in the Bahamas, uh, one of the ways I used to commute back and forth is on some of those 135 scheduled uh, carriers. Boy, they were having a blast. And you saw, it's interesting, because you saw the demographic of having a lot of younger folks building hours, but you also saw a lot of retired airline pilots, uh, which is basically the age you're in, and going out there and flying some of these routes. Uh, that may not be something that appeals to some people, although there's, uh, especially the airline pilots that got used to that customer service and dealing with people and flying every day, they kind of like that. They like that whole, you know, getting out there and flying people from point A to point B. That might be of interest too. Obviously, flight instructing is one that's a blast, especially someone who has some experience and has lots of patience. That's the biggest thing right there. And if you can communicate well, which you can, obviously, I think that's something you should look at is, is just kind of paying it back that way. And there's other things, too. I mean, if uh, if you're crazy enough to get into the airline business or airplane business, you do your own charter, your own 135 charter. I know that's it's funny. It's, uh, you know, how do you make a, a a small fortune in aviation, start with a big one, right? Well, this isn't, uh, you can actually make some money doing your own charter or working with another charter company. So that's something they really, really think about and look at. There's many different things too you can do as far as missionary work. Uh, there's a lot of other people in the same situation as you. And boy, it's really cool. I get to talk with them all the time. And I have friends that I've made that are doing exactly what you're doing. They've been executives with bigger companies and have retired and now they're flying you know single engine uh, like 135 which is not a ton of that but they're doing some multi-engine 135 work they're also flying for some of the regionals and stuff while they can uh, maybe they're not past that 65 threshold so really really uh, it, it, there's so many things out there don't let this hold you up and I know a lot of people say well at a certain age you can't do it but that's not true I mean you can actually fly uh, for many many years I will say one thing, though. It's it's always good to understand when it, when's it time to kind of get out, too. Uh, and that you can actually figure out usually by watching to see, uh, you know, if you're you're losing some of that, uh, you know, cognitive reasoning, et cetera, and, and the ability to, to act quickly, you know, flying, et cetera, make decisions quickly, et cetera. Uh, I see a lot of guys flying in their 80s, uh, 70s, 80s, and it's uh, it's it's done. It all depends on your health. That's that's for sure. But yeah, we'd love to talk to you about it. Anybody interested in the coaching, obviously, aviationcareerspodcast.com slash coaching. There's a little video there. It tells you a little bit about the coaching and what we do, career coaching, and basically the counseling and also uh, the interview prep, et cetera. Mainly doing the coaching because I know interview prep is something that needs to be done right away. And uh, we basically don't have a staff that does full-time uh, you know, interview prep. We uh, try to point them to some of the presentations we've done for the interviews and interview preparation because of the fact that it is very, very time-consuming. As a matter of fact, tomorrow I start out at 8 in the morning and coach till about 10 p.m. Uh, so, and it's kind of tough to get my schedule because, again, it's summertime and I'm just bogged down with work. So please take a look at that before you actually sign up for the coaching. If it's something we can't do, uh, I can refer you to some other folks to help you out. I'd love, you know, my most important th thing for me is to see that you move forward in your career. But uh, anyway, thanks for the question. I really appreciate that. Anyway, moving on to the next. 
uh, said, good evening. I've connected to you on LinkedIn for some time and listened to your podcast for the first time this evening. I was interested in that title, Scholarships for Older Pilots and Pathway Programs, because of the first six students in our new school, five of them are older folks who are interested in our Pathway Program. I really perked up when you spoke about Part 161 programs that use a syllabus similar to Part 141. We are such a program located in Wyoming, and I've had many students over 28 years I've been in aviation who fit the profile of older pilots seeking a path to the airlines, including a former U.S. Air Force B-52 pilot who had started over with his private pilot license. He had a really hard time with crosswind landings, don't you know? That's funny. Um, I... Listen to your link and uh, look at your link and see how to get on your podcast. I think I have some valuable input and perspective for prospective students. We'd love to have you on. If you're interested, by the way, in coming on, it's real simple to do. Don't forget on the right side, uh, how to be a guest on Aviation Careers Podcast. Take that little short course. You know, it's not very long, maybe 10 minutes, I think it is. And it tells you all the things you need to do and how to prepare for the podcast. And uh, we like to hear about what schools are doing, kind of like yours, and what people are doing. Uh, with with their careers. I think it's uh, terrific that you're going to share that with us. I appreciate that. Let's see, one more question that we can have here. It says, hello, I just wanted to drop you a quick line about something uh, one of your subscribers sent in. I was lucky to retire from law enforcement at a great age. So at 50 years old, I'm starting a new career. Well, congratulations. That's awesome. Uh, he continues, the biggest this I, the biggest this I see is the lack of scholarships for students my age. Um, the companies are interested in new pilots that can give them more time at low wages. I'm going to school in Florida. What I did was I registered at college, took a low interest loan, and when the money was put in my account, I went to Part 61 school. The 141 school price at the school was almost double that price. They stated that the jobs are out there will give you a job with less minimums, but if you do the math, you can get more hours at a Part 61 school and still save money. There are jobs here in Florida at 250 hours. The jobs are getting more and more available. Bad thing is my age, but I'm having fun taking classes and helping the young pilots that don't have life experience that I have. If I can help one pilot get a career, I'm happy. I should be done with my commercial rating by the end of this year. If money works out, wish me luck. There are five of us that are in the older age range and the rest of the group. We are trying our best. Well, that's awesome. I'm so glad that you're doing that. I love what you said about there's lots of jobs for pilots with the 250 hours uh, and you know, not just flight instruction, but other things, but primarily in this instructional environment. And I think that's cool that you did that. I think that uh, you reached out. And, uh, and again, we love hearing stories about people that are a little bit older moving on. Yeah. And the scholarships in general are usually in general, people, when they think of scholarships, even setting them up, they think, oh, I'm going to put a scholarship together for somebody who's in high school, who's in college, and who's younger. You have to be 23 or younger. You see a lot of those. Um, we're changing that, by the way. We are we are moving the dial on that. We are getting more and more people interested in putting forth scholarships that don't have that age restriction, which I think is really important. A lot of the industry organizations are doing that because they see the benefit. They see the benefit of having people get their licenses and moving forward, whatever they're flying is, because it actually helps fund that industry. Rising tide raises all boats, and that's really important to see uh, when they're actually putting out these scholarships. So, so don't, don't fret as far as the scholarships in general. That's always been the case. It always will be the case because we have this preconceived notion that scholarships should only be for younger people 
we're actually we're moving that needle and we're changing that. It's kind of similar to a good example is women in aviation. I mean, there's like hardly any uh, female airline pilots right now, but that needle is changing. I mean, we're moving it. It's, there's more and more people getting into it, and those numbers will keep going up and going up. It just takes time, that's all. And it's the same thing with the scholarships. So hang in there, and I'm so glad that you're doing this. And it, it's just awesome to, uh, to hear uh, from you concerning uh, the fact that you are your age and that you're moving forward in your career. Uh, let's see. Let's take uh, one more here. It says, uh, a person from Argentina. I'm a first-class commercial pilot, CFII with a multi-engine rating. Great to hear you every time. I'd like to know if scholarships and coaching are only for FAA licenses or countries with FAA agreements. Uh, my best regards. Well, most of the scholarships, yes, are only for those uh, that are with the FAA or FAA agreements. In other words, uh, that you can translate your, your ratings to a U.S. license. Uh, the reason being is that that's obviously where we're located. We have started putting other ones in there, uh, but I'm not going to advertise that we have a bunch. I mean, we see them out there. We're trying to put them in the guide. Uh, a good example is when I was down in the Dominican Republic and talking to some of the people at the air show there about some of the scholarships that are available. Again, those have agreements with the FAA. Uh, but I, I get what you're saying. Uh, there's a lot of folks that uh, want to get more scholarships, and uh, there's not quite as many, but they're, we're finding them. Uh, they're, they're out there. Uh, South America, Central America, um, there's also a lot in Europe, obviously, but we're, we're looking more and more towards those. So uh, anyway, we'll keep you updated. How's that sound? I really appreciate it. Well, anyway, I think that's all the time we have. We're going to uh, stop the questions there. But I want to you know, kind of go back over some of these here and that uh, one of the things that if you notice, there's a lot of questions that come in that actually get some answers, which is so cool from like the individual who talked about the, the older pilots and all the, the jobs that are out there at 250 hours. And I think that's great because the first one of the first people asked questions about that. And that's what this is about. This is a forum here for people to actually be encouraged and to learn about moving forward in their career. So if you don't want to come on the show and talk, please write me and, and write in your story because if that story is going to help somebody, I think that's important. Uh, if you want to be on the show or you know someone you think would be great to be on the show, we have this new link on the side. It's a small, short little course about how to be a guest on Aviation Careers Podcast, and we want to hear more. Yes, we want to have more interviews with some of the folks in the majors. We want to have more interviews with, with other people in the field, but we need to hear you. We need to hear your story about moving forward in your career and what you've done. Most importantly, though, no matter what it is that you do, make sure that you do something today to move in forward in your career and move forward in your life in general. But sitting here and just listening is just one part of it. Now I want you to take action. After you actually get done with about this podcast, if you're driving, no matter where you are, make a note. Uh, make uh, you know those little memos that they have. Make a notice to do doing something. You know, I need to do this. I need to look into this because of the fact that if you don't get started, you don't start uh, one step at a time. You're never going to get to that goal. And sometimes it's the first step. Sometimes it's the tenth, the hundredth, the thousandth step. It, it sometimes there is one step that takes a little bit more time, a little bit more effort to move forward. But I want you to do that today. I want you to take that one step today to move forward in your career. I'll talk to you next episode and safe flying. 
You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although host or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.